Welcome to Health and Human Science Matters, a podcast by Colorado State University's College of Health and Human Sciences. I'm Avery Martin, co-host and digital media strategist. And I'm Matt Hickey, Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies. In our college, we make it our mission to optimize human health and well-being through discovery and innovation. But don't just take our word for it. Each episode, we sit down with people who fulfill that mission, our college faculty and staff. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Mohamed Mahaney, Associate Professor in the Department of Construction Management at Colorado State University. Content warning. This episode briefly discusses the mental health crisis and suicide. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 988. Mohammed, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you. And as we were talking about in the intro, we want to get to know you as a scholar, but also, of course, get to know you as a person. What interests you outside the life of, of the academy? We want to start with your research program and ask you to talk about sort of big problems or big challenges that your research uh, tends to. Awesome. So now that I'm associate professor for several years now, <laughs> things shifted a little bit, and um, I'm very grateful for that. So the biggest two things that I'm addressing right now is um, infrastructure sustainability and resilience, which is something that as easy as just go to a ASCE report card and you will see how bad it is now yeah. and how we really have to, there is a lot to be done. It's a big country, big infrastructure systems, mostly also around the world as well. Some of the work I, that I do can be applied all around the world. It's not just for the U.S. And the other big portion now that just became to be in the last two, three years is the mental health for construction workers. It's a, a very, very big problem. And it's almost like a, a pandemic to the industry of construction. It used to be the big fours, which is like the fatal four, they, they call them the falls, electrocution, struck by, and caught in between, I guess. And guess what? Actually, sadly, mental health issues and suicide is number one. And construction actually is ranked first or second in industry. You know, it's not fun to say, but that's what it is. And that is why I piqued my interest a lot. And it became all of a sudden, without me realizing, a big portion of my research now that I'm trying to get more and more. And there's a lot of it I was over, like just reaching out and making more awareness by like being keynote speaker or something. Sure. But a lot of it also, like I'm trying to get as much as I can research into that area and try to get hopefully a research team together for that. Because it's very much a big problem. Obviously, it is. Even the statistics it you is. just shared with us. It is. And, and it's something that a lot of us did. I'm in the construction industry. I don't know. Like, I didn't know that before it came to me uh, by mere coincidence, literally. But you're paying attention yeah. to what's going on. Thankfully, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I did. I want you to tell us a little bit more about what you mean when you talk about infrastructure. Are we talking about highways and bridges mm-hmm. or 100-story or buildings? Yeah. or Infrastructure, it's one of those words that get thrown around. And I can understand why it can be used very widely and interchangeably because like the language part, the linguistics part of it is like, yeah, you can, everything is an infrastructure for something, right? Mm-hmm. But really, uh, we'll focus on like, let's say the facilities that support civilization life as we know it. And that is why infrastructure will mean to me exactly what you said, like big things like roads, bridges, dams, things of that nature that kind of, without it, there's a lot of all those fancy buildings that we have can't even operate, right? Yes. Like without electric grids, without all of these. Yeah. So um, that's really my focus. And it's, it's just, I think it's a very impactful thing for me to do, that I enjoy it. And I'm biased a little bit because I grew up in the construction industry and I, um, most of my life I worked actually on infrastructure projects, ah, okay. uh, the life before academia. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up in it as a kid even. I didn't actually touch buildings much except in like college. 
I know it sounded like sound crazy. Like so, you were working before? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and I still enjoyed as of a very intriguing projects to me more than buildings or even the fanciest buildings. You can say I'll I'll stick with the road with the asphalt and the concrete on it. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. For me, it's just a different a different beast to deal with and very different circumstantial, very risky kind of environment. But it's fun. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we're going to talk more about all these things in a few minutes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or now, honestly. <laughs> tell, tell us a, a little bit about your intro to the construction industry and all the way back to childhood, however oh, far man. you want to okay. go back. You but know what? What's the, the, the origin story? Yeah. Let's let's let it from the beginning then. Okay. So going all the way back, uh-huh. I was literally, I know people can't see, but how big is this table? Like a couple of feet. So I was like that little of a kid, like really little. And I used to go to the job site and my job, and I literally took it as a job, was, hey, kiddo, go grab this shovel, go get some food, go get some water for the foreman. And the... so I grew up really in it. And I'm very grateful for that, honestly. Mm-hmm. And where was this at? That was back where I'm from, actually, which mm-hmm. is Cairo, Egypt. Okay. That's where I grew up. So it was sometimes in Cairo, sometimes outside of Cairo, still in Egypt. So yeah, I, I went there and um, did what they, just like anything they need. And I was like, like in it. Like... <laughs> So I'll tell you what, like, it's funny because I remember now I used to like walk like about two miles or something, like three kilometers plus to just like get the bread and the cheese. I remember exactly bread, cheese, grapes, and stuff like that. And hauling back to the, uh, no kidding. Wow. to the laborers and uh, around lunchtime and stuff yeah. like that for their break and sit and eat with them. And they teach me stuff. And it was really great. It was very different childhood from the norm. Sure. <laughs> I'll say that, but uh, it was good too. I that really enjoyed so it. so interesting, yeah. isn't it? An yeah, apprenticeship is. of sorts that yeah. early. Yeah. It's just like, so when I grew older, it was very easy to manage crews and superintendents, every, everybody around me, because I grew up in it. So I know how people think, how they like to be treated, how you can empathize with some certain things that you can't see if you never been there with them sure. in right. the trenches and how people react to things, what is their own responsibilities. And it's very hard. Even if you're the best, you know, coming out of school or something, it's just hard. You've never been there. Mm. It is very different lens. When you are with them, they talk about their own lives and and how work become part of their life, right? So you can relate to that when you're dealing with them later and you can know how to incentivize them. You can know how to take care of them. It was a big asset, to be honest with you, learning that as a very young age. Did you get sort of embraced by these guys right away or was there a standoffish period or did they just say, come on and no. put I was a kid, so there was not much standoffish. Like, it's kind of cute, right? Like, yeah, across yeah. different cultures, it's a cute. <laughs> so yeah. I was like a little kid just doing all that and he's like acting up like he's Isn't one of us. I was like, all right, kid, let's go. And it's a different culture. So like over there, for example, you're a little kid in, in the supermarket and you're grabbing something. I'll, I'm a total stranger, right? Just grab your kid, like put him in the air and, you know, like literally like play with him and stuff like that. And it's like, hey, kid, and, and just leave. And that's fine. He, I don't think you can do that here. But, right. So, right. Yeah. so yeah, so that is kind of the culture there. So it was like kind of exactly that. It was like, hey, a little kid, like trying to be like working with us and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, kid, do this, do that. Like grab this, grab that. And so when you grow up with them and it's kind of like you're one of them in a way, which is fortunate and very good. So translate this this really early apprenticeship in, in, into an educational pathway, right? So, yeah. so degrees you pursued and oh my, that's another <laughs> that's another thing. As a matter of fact, even though I grew up in it, uh, by the time you get to high school, then kinda you're gonna have to pick where you're gonna go. And I actually, believe it or not, did not want to do engineering at the time. Hmm. I wanted to be a pharmacist. Here you go. Oh, Here's another interesting. one. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Yes. 
wanted to be a pharmacist. And I remember like, everybody was like, dude, like you grow up in this thing. Like you don't want to do this. Like, no, I want to be a pharmacist. I love chemistry. You know, I love chemistry and I want to be a pharmacist or, or a chemist or something. And um, it didn't happen because over there, it's not like here. It's, it's by, um, by percentages to get into a university. Can you imagine 96.5% is not good enough to get you in the lowest pharmacy school in the entire country? My goodness. Whoa. My Whoa. year, the lowest pharmacy school in the entire country took 96.7%. It was just like, really, guys? Like, this is crazy. Yeah, no kidding. Some people had to get like 98.9 or something like that to get in certain highest pharmacy schools and stuff sure. like that. It was kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, uh, I remember that very well. I remember being like really, to be honest with you, devastated about that. And uh, my father, he was a great father, but he wasn't, um, it's different. Like when you're there, if one hour will make you $10 here, maybe 10 hours will make you the $10 there. Mm. So he had to work a lot. Sure. And he was out there working most of the time. So I didn't get to see him as much as I would like to be, but he was a great father. He did everything to support us. And I'm extremely grateful for that. God bless his soul. So, but in the meantime, sometimes he literally asked me, I'm not exaggerating one bit. He was like, hey, what grade you're in? It never affected me negatively. I never looked back at this, like, how come? Like, no, he was busy doing his thing and trying to support us. And I understand that. But I remember because it was high school, I'm going to college now. And like, it was a milestone. So you had to know, right? <laughs> so he's like, hey, kid, what are you doing with that pharmacy stuff? Come on. Because he's an engineer, right? Uh, so he's like, go to engineering. Like, it's good for you. You're, you're main for engineering. I'm like, dad, I don't. Like, he's like, you're great. It's a good engineering. I always had good grades in, in math and everything. And I like that. Like, but I never like loved it. Mm. It's not like I, oh man, I can't wait to do this. Like, yeah. and math was like just a kind of. It's not it's something not your I. Yeah, it's not my passion. Yeah. <laughs> but thank God you had the gift at least. I mean, right? yeah. So then I was like, fine, I'll try the engineering thing, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I had to go. Um, and I went to a school which is one of the really good schools of engineering back home, and. Uh, but it was expensive, so I had to get on that scholarship at some point, and I was very thankful to. It's the only one scholarship. If you don't get it, you're done. One full scholarship. Everybody's competing for one. We got this and I never looked back. <laughs> it wow. was rough. And it was rough because I'm working. And by the way, also like I was also an athlete, semi-pro athlete and stuff like that. So it was hard to do all of this and working and going to college. And then everybody else who might not be working, he's only or she's only studying, competing sure. with you on this. Yeah. So it was like, ah, get off me kind of thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, yeah. like, so it was kind of rough, to say the least. Now tell us about yeah. your athletics. So I grew up playing um, soccer, okay. football. I mean, I call it the football. <laughs> it's just a tease. <laughs> but but <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah, what, which we call here soccer. Um, grew up playing that. I mean, you, you play in the street growing up. But then when you grow up, it grow up with you. Yes. So that we have street leagues and stuff like that. And yeah, and at some point I wanted to go pro and that was interesting too. But then even no matter what, I will never leave the street leagues because it was something about it. And by the way, you can get in trouble if you're pro and then you play in street leagues. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the political stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, and if you yeah. like get if injured get or stuff like that. Yeah. But man, like you always want to play with them. So sure. even people who play pros like still play the streets a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was really something. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And, and martial arts. I also played martial arts a lot. I want to brag, but I was three-time national champion. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. yes. My goodness. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So but, you were busy. Uh, I was busy. I was a hyperactive kid, so I had, you have to get. Yes, gave you something to do. I have to get busy, man. <laughs> I will drive them insane. It was a lot. <laughs> you, you were a handful, huh? Yes, it was just hard to just let's just sit down. 
can. So I'll go out in the street from the very morning if I can. And they would just have to call me out like, hey, come back home. And I'll be coming out now, PM. And they were like, yeah, he's tired now. So he's going to go like, Phew. and I'm like, I don't want to go to sleep. I want to play more. You're still going. <laughs> so when, when World Cup time rolls around, are you glued to? Oh, my. The first World Cup ever I will never forget was Egypt against Netherlands. And at the time, Netherlands was ranked like top three in the world. So they were expected to beat the heck out of Egypt. So I was like, man, I hope we just like, you know, like play good. I was like literally still a very, very little kid, but mm -hmm. it's something that all of us want to see. And actually they tied. And it was like, a, it was almost as if we won. Yeah. Like it was literally, everybody was I'm like, kidding, in the street, as yeah. if we won the whole thing. Yeah, good memories. Huh? <laughs> that was my first ever, yeah. So the, the engineering undergraduate, mm -hmm. was there a moment when you started thinking about, I want to... You know, go to grad school. I see myself at Colorado State. I'm, I'm kidding about that part, but never, never. Honestly, I'm just, I'm just being honest. You want honest? Never, ever, I would have ever thought that I will be a professor one day. I mean, you can even tell by my demeanor now. I'm not really a professor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're typical one, I guess, uh, or like the stereotypical one. So mm. I wanted to be a contractor, uh, and I was. Okay. So tell so, us about that. So actually, even before college was ended, I already had my company. And we were like, not just like doing, like, oh, a small job here, a small job there. No, we were like contractors. Wow. We were go bidding on jobs and stuff like that, yeah. like big jobs and everything. So um, I was lucky. He's part of the thing that we were talking about. That very odd, crazy kind of childhood of working around neighbors and people and stuff like that earned me also a really good relationships sure. and yeah. networks. Yeah. So when I got to be a contractor, I don't have to have that capital to do it. Mm. There was a lot of it. Trust. I know you. Mm -hmm. I know this kid since, since he was literally a kid and he's still kind of in their eyes still a kiddish. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> and over their age really matters. And, you know, the elders and stuff like that mm -hmm. is a little bit different than here. But um, did some of those jobs that raised really good capital very, very early on and we became contractors. And this um, primarily in, in greater Cairo or all over Egypt? Um, I worked in Cairo. I worked in Alexandria. I worked all the way to uh, Upper Egypt. It was like all oh, over the really? place. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. That's but cool. it was mostly Cairo and Alexandria when I was still in college. And yeah, and, and then after that, I was like, okay, let's get that company bigger. So it was me and uh, two or three partners. And it was funny because sometimes we'd show up in a bid meetings and stuff like that. And for them, they were kids. Like, who are this kid is like 20, barely 20 years old sitting across from us bidding on Like, what the heck is this? It was kind of hilarious. And sometimes I win the job and, you know, like kind of good game kind of thing. Somebody will come and tap me in the back. It's like, hey, say hi to dad. They think that my dad sent me there. Oh, wow. And like, you know, I'm just working with my dad. Sure. So and I'm like, do you know my dad? Like, I mean, in the, and also, honestly, sometimes <laughs> it's like, maybe he does know my dad, right? Yeah. Like, so do you know my dad? Like, he's like, no, but like the owner of this company. Like, no, that's my company. And all of a sudden the look is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was that, that I, I'm not gonna lie, I enjoyed it a little bit. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah. It's kind of fun. So the switch towards an academic trajectory came by mere coincidence. My last year in college, CSU actually, in the construction management department, had some kind of collaboration program, like a collaboration slash competition between CSU and my uh, Arab Academy for Science and Technology, right? Huh. AST. So one of my um, professors came and was like, hey, we want to put the team together to do well and so my luck even though I wasn't like in the time in it but it was more challenging because I didn't know about it as much financial management topic ah. that was my topic and I was like you know what I don't know about it but let's accept the challenge and go at it so let's let's do this but then it was very interesting because it's the US 
And I'll be honest with you, man, like a lot of countries, like not just Egypt, but like a lot of people is like, oh man, it's America, you know, like, whoa, it's so, it'll be so hard. They would destroy it. So let's like, let's beat them to it. Like, let's, let's try our best to do this because we're going to get beat, but at least like, let's just like um, Netherlands and Egypt. Remember yeah, that? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes like the soccer yeah. game kind of thing. <laughs> so it's like, it was like, that it was like, oh, here it comes. And we presented and we we're really, really good. Actually, after that, I was like, oh, we're good. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's great. So that's very good. And then... Um, they flew to us. It was I don't maybe you remember Mustafa Khattab. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Amazing man, and I um, I have the the luck to have him as as you know somebody to look up to when he came in. Yes. And also when I was here, I even worked for him for at least a couple of years mm-hmm. when I came in, two three years. And Angela Gugumos, oh yeah, yeah, who is one of the best people I've ever met. She is an amazing woman. So they came in, and at the end of the day. I can't remember, I can't remember which one of them said that, but they said, hey, like, if you think about grad school, we might have good opportunities for and scholarships and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. I'm, I have a lot more. I don't think about that. I'm, I'm working, man. I, I really wanted to be, that was really the whole thing. The best contractors we can ever be. We can expand in like Sudan and some African countries and a little bit in the Middle East too. And we started doing that. We started doing some networking with some African countries and specifically to them because it was the backyard and they have good connections there. And we had like jobs starting coming from Kuwait and start like have relationship from at that, at that time, Dubai was not what it is now, but like at that time. So it was like, we were doing, it was the trajectory was amazing. It was working very well. Then if you, if I'm answering your question about how they get into academia, we started taking more project management jobs and consultant jobs and stuff like that. And it's way less risk and much more profitable. But if you have a doctor in front of your name, you can get much more and much better in this area. And contracting is not easy. It's it, After a while, it breaks you down a little bit. So we're like, okay, how about this other stream of revenue, which might be actually really good, but we have to have somebody. I got a PhD on him. Fine, Muhammad, you're the one who was top of school. You're going to go back to school. And by the way, I, I already quit in school. So and, and, yeah, after, after I got my degree yeah. over there, you know how you can be here, like you apply for a GT assistantship sure. or a RA ship. Mm-hmm. You don't apply there. Mm. Over there, you're picked. Ah. So they will go and say, who's the top of the class? And then the second. If they have a third, they will pick the third. If they, if they have only one, they only take the first one. That's it. So it's your luck of how far you are on the top of the university wow. and how many openings at that year. So I was number one. So they took me. And after um, semester... Or a year, maybe I quit on them, which is something that people were like, "Muhammad, you're insane! This is a lifetime of this and that." I'm like, "You cannot do them, like guys. I don't want to be in this. Like, I'm a contractor for God's sake. That's what I do. Like, I don't want to be in academia. Like, nah, I'm fine." <laughs> so I already quit one time on that, and after that, now I'm like, "Huh? Now I'm gonna book, go back to this. Fine, I'll do it." But if you get um, a degree from overseas, like specifically like the U.S. That's very good, right? That's even like more to your name. So fine, I'll go apply. And then while I'm applying, all of a sudden I receive this call from a doctor, Dr. Muhammad Imam, who's a great, great man. And he's like, Muhammad, do you remember that CSU thing? And that was like, oh, yeah. No, no. First he said, do you, um, do you want to do grad school? He's like, I'm like, did you read my mind or somebody told you already? Like, I've already applied. He's like, Remember the CSU people who came in? I was like, oh my goodness, I did forget about that. He said they're offering fellowships and scholarships if you want to go there. I think they're good people and they will, they'll be very good people to work with when you're there in grad school. And knowing him, 
when he says something, he really means extremely well for you. For He's a very well-meaning person. So I was like, you know what, professor, like just let, let him like send me the offer. Like, what is it? I'm going to compare it with the others I got. Smart and move, if it's yeah. good, yeah, <laughs> contractor, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I compare it. And, and even if it's not like as best, I, I'll still go because he said so. You know, I trust his word is, is meant, meant a lot to me. Sure. So I did. And actually, it was a good offer, too. Uh, it was a full ride, pretty much. So I was like, all right, I'm going. So that's awesome. So I was like, fine, we'll go to grad school there. That's how we ended up here. Wow. So I ended up Just here to chance. finish. Yeah, to finish as fast as I can. I actually finished my master's in one year because of that. And I was, in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to finish my PhD in two and a half years so I can go back quickly. That was how I ended up in grad school here, man. It was for one sole reason. Get that degree and run back home so we can get some of that good, good consultant jobs. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And yet here you are. It's very interesting how I, I never planned on this or staying here or being a professor here or anything. So, so your master's PhD, was it Mustafa as, as a sort of a research mentor? Or? Uh, no, actually, Mustafa's department head. So I got the award from there. When you get there, that, that doctor, that professor who called me, Dr. Muhammad Imam, he said, like, when you get there, work with Angela. She's good. Ah. Mm. Angela, oh my, she was the best. One of the most secure people, competent people. It was a master class and a masterpiece of what a good manager and advisee too. Oh, sorry, advisor too. I was lucky to have her, 100%. And I was extremely like, I even like called him back. I was like, Thanks for the advice, man. This is going yes, awesome. Yes, indeed. That's great. And she worked with me, with me. And I, I remember even like one time, I had some doubts like, is that research is meaningful? Like, I don't know. It feels easy or like not that good. Uh-huh. So she, And she sensed that. She can tell. I'm like a little bit hesitant. Like, is that really good? And she went and pushed an article or something like um, some kind of problem statement or something from the Air Force trying to do what I'm doing in risk management issues at the time. And it was, it boosted my morale in a way. Like, okay, I'm going to finish the degree, but my degree means a lot now. Oh yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. It, it just like clicked a little bit more and making me like really go in the trenches for that specific topic. Without her having to sit me down, it's like, no, 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 no. It's just, it was a simple push without telling me anything almost. Interesting. And then like, just by the look of the eyes, we're kind of like, Gotcha. That's <laughs> awesome. It was really good. You know, that, this is a perfect platform for a question that I really always enjoy asking about the many influences I'm hearing on your life, p- people whose fingerprints you sort of still carry with you in yeah. terms of how you do your life, surprising as it may still be <laughs> as an academic. So so talk to us about, you know, folks who, when, when I'm in a classroom or I'm mentoring a grad student or whatever it might be, I can almost still hear them whispering in some ways, right? Oh my. So I'll tell you what. I'm almost like a blender of a lot of things, and thankfully also of different cultures. For example, I learned a little bit of, honestly, even some things I saw foreman, foreman do it and a superintendent do sure. it growing up mm-hmm. that I can sometimes use in the classroom, believe it or not. There's a lot of social intelligence that you can know on the streets of Cairo, for example, or here, of course, sure. right? Uh-huh. That is very interesting how you can take that in a classroom with you. So I try to mesh them together. So for example... You can definitely ask my grad students. I'm pretty rough on them, actually. I'm very hard on them, productivity, this and that. I squeeze the heck out of them. But I'm also, I also know a lot about them, about their personal lives. I didn't ask for that. They just tell me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very close to them a different way, too. What I learned is this. If I am very grateful for all those people who can have influence on my life, I even tell, especially my PhDs and stuff like that, you better be better than me. 
at some point. No, seriously. I really seriously think that. If you're not better than me, I did something wrong mm. or you're doing something wrong. Some, some, somebody did something wrong. This trajectory is so fascinating that I don't want to forget talking about what do you do when you're not on campus. You know, before oh. we sort of started recording, we we shared <laughs> uh, some similar interests. So for our listeners, again, um, what uh, engages you? I climb almost all season, season long. So we go climbing summer all the way until it's a, yeah, November is fine, good enough. And then ice season kicks in. You can literally climb ice in Colorado even in September if you really look for it. But then all the way until cold war season, that's more snow and high altitude mountaineering and stuff like that. And that's from about April, May uh, that we go out, climb all the way until like June, July. Sometimes I'll travel. Like if you travel to Europe, you can do some June, July stuff there, like big mountains there and stuff like that. Sure. And, or, or here in the Cascades. and. Mm-hmm. And then um, switch back the whole cycle again and again sure, and again. Yeah. So it's I, I try to climb a lot and it's fun and it's a very intriguing sport to me. However, I still kept one of my passions or one of my other sports other than, of course, football, which is diving. I still do scuba. I love scuba diving too. Really? But that Colorado, that's the one thing I said. If Colorado had a sea or an ocean, this would be heaven, man. That's <laughs> right. That would be ridiculous. Because I used to dive. Actually, before climbing, it was diving for me. Mm. So, because over there, you have the Red Sea, which is sure. amazing diving. Yeah. So, I used to dive a lot. And then I came in here and it's like, it's not much diving. Yeah. If you dive in Egypt, it's kind of hard to dive in other places. Oh, that. It's just so good, man. Yeah. It's just so good to compete with that. With that. I, I love diving. It's yeah. not as intense, of course, as climbing at all. Yeah. But it's literally the one place. Um, my problem, I can't shut down my brain sometimes, for better or worse. I'm one of those people who will go sleep and I'll wake up like, yep, that thing. Even when I'm climbing, if like, if I'm on the approach, I'm still thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. That one place that can literally shut down everything, Mm -hmm. like everything, and think about literal moment that I'm in is the under the water. Yeah. Diving is just, you're living in the moment. For me, that's awesome. It's quite an environment, Um, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you feel like you're not in this world anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not really hitting the bottom or that. So you're just like there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Awesome. So I do that and definitely climbing is is great because I guess I like um I like a bit of misery in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's I can relate. Matthew, yeah, you yeah. can relate to that, right? Like yeah. it's miserable. I don't know why we like that. But we forget it so rapidly, right? You, you know what I mean? And sometimes, as you know, it's it's the summit moment. Maybe the sun's coming up and yeah. you forget the last couple hours of freezing or you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like one time I'm like, I'm bling. And it was like, oh my God. It was like almost negative 21, 22. That was awful. And I'm bling somebody and I am. In my Blay parka, put it on. I am still like freezing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this is not good. Why are we doing this? Like, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is insanity. <laughs> and then I lit the last pitch up, got up on the mountain, and I'm looking around and I'm like, you know what? I even like came up to my friends, like, it's worth it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this yeah, is why we did it. This is worth exactly. it. And I know people's like, hey, Mohammed, you can take pictures. I like, mean, you can always look at the pictures. I'm like, guys, I swear to God, it's definitely. Definitely different. I was just climbing the other weekend. I couldn't believe I'm seeing this. Yeah. She's like, wow, very rare moments. And you just like soak it all in. And I'm not going to lie. I, I literally meant it when I said I like a little bit of misery in my life. Um, I think we're very comfortable these days. Mm-hmm. As human beings, it's, our life is like crazy comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. A little bit of discomfort is fun for me. Or like, I don't know, just keep me in check. And it's just amazing when you go back home and you're like, first of all, Home. 
a shelter mm-hmm. when you're like in winter storms all here, here. all day and night sometimes it's kind of rough mm-hmm. and and then when you have this you really appreciate it a little bit more i don't know for me it puts that back in picture for me yeah, absolutely. so you really appreciate the life a little bit more yeah, great perspective <laughs> yeah wow i think That's so <laughs> as you sort of cast your mind out five ten years down the road and you think about your legacy colleagues students what would you like it to be characterized by so working the work that we do now as professors i think our work is reflected for literally in the people that we bring out not just good people i'm going to be honest with this i want them to be competent high work ethic truthful, standing up for what is right, and really standing up. Like, even if it's sometimes detriment to your career. Well said. If I can, if we can put out people who are competent, have competence very important, and good people, of course, have good work ethic, and they really stand up for what is right, are you really, really would be very content with that? That is pretty much... Let people tell your story at some point. Like, they will tell your story. If you're good to people and you're doing everything right by them, those advisees or undergrads or whoever, don't worry about that. They, you will get your dues, and they will tell you how, how you were kind to them, how you really benefited them, how you really, like, looked out for them, how you built their character by just observing you sometimes. That will come. I don't worry about, like, what legacy might be as of this. I just worry about, like, what I'm putting out there and hopefully that will be my legacy at some point. Well said. Yes. Thanks. And I believe it will. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. It already probably is in many ways. I totally agree. Yeah. And you know, it's you carry the influence of folks that have touched you. And I think that that sort of pay it forward mentality is, yeah. is beautiful. So thank you. This, you know, this has been so much fun. I don't want to stop. I want to keep <laughs> yes. talking. But Appreciate it. We have to let you get along. With yeah. And I'm sorry I didn't so. get into like too much research. So like one time we'll definitely it's, talk about that and the research impact and because I have really good stories about the research impacts that it opened my eyes so much, especially the mental health stuff was really amazing. I want to hear a little yeah, bit about yeah, that. Go for it. I, think I have we, two minutes. For sure. I, I think we need okay. that. Okay. Yeah, okay. We need so, a little bit. So research impact, of course, there is the infrastructure stuff, and that's like a little bit more in the like, you know, modeling side and stuff like that. So I don't want to bore you with that, guys. But I'll tell you something about the mental health research that made me, even though it's the least funded area now for me, at least for now, hopefully it'll get better, but maybe say like, you know what? This is worth it. I was invited to organize a lectern session in TRB. It's a transportation research board. So we, I put a, together a panel for mental health. And we were doing this panel. And after that, and some of the research and what are some of the resources. And, and, and there's a lot of people from DOTs and everybody across, across the board is in there. So I didn't think about nothing about it. That was like 4 p.m. maybe, 3 p.m. Went just business as usual. The second day, we had a committee meeting. In the committee meeting, I'm part of the committee, so we're like, you know, doing that, how much uh, research needs statements we're going to get out there, research synthesis, and we're all focused on that. And then all of a sudden, we're just saying, oh, we did also a lectern session, which was very successful on mental health, and that was really cool, and just moving on. And then a the guy raised his hand. He's from Alaska DOT. He's a good friend now. And he stood up, and he said, thank you. I'm like, oh, I appreciate it. I just thought he's talking about the lectern session. He said, no, 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 thank you. You don't know... What happened that night, that night? He said he got a call from somebody in Alaska that was kind of on the edge, almost going forward with a suicide or as close as it gets. And he literally used the resources and things that we were talking about in that lectern station, oh 3 or 4 p.m. And that is now the next day, and he's telling me that. And I'm like, holy. I mean, we always talk about research, and I was like, 
if that was one person's life, exactly. that's enough impact for me. Exactly. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> seriously, I was like, of course, elated, but also shocked. It was a very weird hmm. thing that just came to my head. Like, oh, this is really good. This is really bad. But then also like, you know what? It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Push that agenda, man. And even if you're not getting funded as much as you would like now, it will come. Just keep, keep the pedal to the metal. And I'm going to keep on keeping doing that as much as I can. Uh, because really research impact is just right in my face it was. So yeah. I'm very happy with that. I'm very grateful to get into this subject, which was by mere coincidence that we'll talk about after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Thanks. so much. Yeah, yeah of course. This was great. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really Thanks, appreciate man. it. Thank you, guys. Another great interview is in the books. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health and Human Science Matters. Stay tuned for the next episode. It's on the way. In the meantime, go listen to our episodes from seasons one through four. And if you want to learn more about our College of Health and Human Sciences at CSU, go to www.chhs.colostate.edu.